0: It's good to be here with all of you, Uh, very excited every week to kind of worship together, celebrate Jesus Christ, is always awesome, so it's going to be good. The rain this week, everybody is probably ready for it to be over. Uh, I'm a little different myself, I think, because I like the rain. I like it when it's raining, I think it's awesome. I guess I do get tired of it after a while, and I know Sarisa does because of all the mud and the mess it creates, but you know, uh, maybe that's the biggest thing. Uh, So, we've been uh, talking about being, oh, before I jump into it, we are talking about being offendable, unoffendable, offendable, (laughs) but we want to be unoffended. Uh, Didn't want to remind you guys that uh, for uh, camps, we have all the camps and and it was like a, I felt like in the middle of the video was like a nice little breakout song session video of camp, gives you an idea of what's going on there. That was kids camp, by the way. Uh, kids camp is awesome if, you're, if your kids want to go there, talk to Jessica, they're doing different fundraisers and stuff uh, to help with the cost. And then I know you guys have all seen the envelopes out in the, in the uh, lobby there, and if you would like to help the teens with one of those, then um, the idea is some people, they, and they come to us and say, hey, we want to help, we want to contribute, you can uh, grab one of those envelopes and whatever the envelope number is, that's an amount of dollars. So I guess it could be pennies, but that wouldn't be nearly as helpful as dollars. So put that in there and help our kids get to camp, our teens. And I will say that I'm very proud of our teen and children camp ministries because we usually take quite a few teenagers. And we have extravaganza coming up before that for the teens, so that's going to be awesome too. Extravaganza, for those who don't know, they're going to um, the Southern Nazarene University in Bethany, Oklahoma. They're going to do different competitions in basketball and volleyball and um, music and just different things. So uh, anyway, lots of fun and more than fun. It's, it's a good time for everybody that goes. But I've uh, been thinking about being unoffendable. Has anybody thought about that this week, uh, being unoffendable? You know, I was thinking uh, uh, things as a, as a parent that offend me. Some of you are like, oh, this will be good. Uh, anybody been to Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese is the best. Isn't Chuck E. Cheese the best? I remember um, our, <laughs> I love Chuck E. Cheese. You just go and you sit down and your kids can go crazy and they're not yours for a little while. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese. No, I was thinking about Chuck E. Cheese the other day as I was going through all this. And uh, Morgan, who's 14 now, her second birthday, her two-year-old birthday party, we went to Chuck E. Cheese. And man, if you know me, I'm a big kid. I, I just, I love kid things. I love games. I love playing games. So we, I was so, I was probably more excited. She didn't know what Chuck E. Cheese was, but. I was more excited than her probably to go. I, I love Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to have her birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. So, you know, I got to wear the hat and I get, she did too, um, the presents for her and stuff. But Chuck E. Cheese, have you been recently? Chuck E. Cheese? It feels, yeah, the, the younger parents, you guys are like, you uh, we, and still my nine-year-old likes to go. Um, he, he loves games, in fact, so that's one of the things that, that we can do with him. But Chuck E. Cheese is rough. I mean, I don't know if you've been in a while, but... It looks to me almost like they're trying to go out of business. Does anybody pick up on that vibe? They're trying to go out of business, but they can't do it. Uh, like they filed bankruptcy and they still can't get out of it. They called Blockbuster and said, hey, how do you do this? We went out. Like, like we, we've got to get out of this. Uh, and I guess maybe because our kids are so young, they don't notice, but it's like they haven't updated anything. Um, you, you know, the, the Chuck E. Cheese, and, he's, and they have the band, and they're all up there, and they're mechanical, and they kind of come out, and they're, they're doing their thing. Everybody but the drummer, the drummer's just like this, <laughs> and nobody notices. The kids don't notice. The drummer's not moving, um, but it's, it's just, I guess it's just what happens. There's, there's one that got in trouble. I don't know if you guys heard this. They got in trouble. They were taking the pizza that was left over, and they were putting it back on the buffet. Anybody hear that story? Yeah, they were putting it back. But see, I thought that was okay. Like, I thought if you go to Chuck E. Cheese, you just know that's a chance you take. Uh, <laughs> like, there's, there's a chance. Like, we signed up for this. We know. We're going to go. It's a questionable kind of a place, but my kids love it. Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Some of you are like, I am not sure what's going to go on here. But somehow, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, uh, in spite of that, they thrived. Like, everybody, it, it would put a normal business out. You guys know that. But Chuck E. Cheese, it's cool, man. Like, they just, they can't do it. And I think that as a, as a parent, especially as I've grown and my kids are getting older, 14, 11. She's 11, right? Yeah. <laughs> 14, 11, and 9 now. So they are getting a little older. Um, I still like to do the kid things with them. And, um, but some of those things really kind of begin to offend me, I guess. I don't know. You go in and you're like, oh, this is kind of gross. And that's what we're talking about, being unoffendable. So what does it mean to take offense at something? What does it mean to, uh, to really get irritated with something? And that's uh, where it's a, a book. I have it here by Brant Brent, Brent Hansen. And understand that I am not selling this book um, to make money. I'm not promoting the book. I'm not telling you to go buy the book. All I know is that when I read this, it had some lasting effects on my life and my walk with Christ. Because I realized that I was walking around carrying a lot of offense that I don't believe Scripture allows me to carry. And so I thought, what a, what a good thing. He's already said it all. So um, I'm just, uh, I read it and I was like, man, we're going to talk about, uh, about what's going on here. So uh, some things we looked at. if When we're talking about offense, we're talking about things, anger and resentment. Uh, just keep that in mind, anger and resentment. And as we go through the notes, by the way, uh, you can, in the church's app are the, the notes in today's message. So you can get on there and, uh, and get those. There's a few things that we looked at uh, when we asked the question, why are we offendable? Why is being offended such a large part of our lives? Why is it such a big deal to us? And I mean, we started out asking the question, well, maybe we like our anger. Do we like our anger? Is it something that we really like to hold on to. It sounds silly, but we justify reasons for ourselves why it's okay that we're angry. We hear things and we create a narrative that makes us uh, the winner, that makes us, uh, that makes our reality go to our opinion, if, if you will. You know, like we're never at fault, in other words. Like it wasn't my fault. is your fault. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. What did you do? I got mad at you, but it wasn't my fault that I got mad because you said something that made me mad, so I got mad, right? So we, we try to, to twist that. We also talked about the idea that, and I love this, everybody's an idiot but me. You ever notice that? Like, like everybody. I'm the only one. Have you ever been having this conversation with somebody in your life? I know Teresa and I will, and we'll be like, man, I think we're the only one, Teresa. Like everybody else but us, not us. Everybody else, they're crazy. We're normal, they're not. Have you done that? Yeah, because everybody (laughs) is wrong. Think about the times you've been condemning of somebody else's decision. And we talked at length about my driving and uh, the way that I really, it seems to be an issue for me. Sometimes I just get upset when I'm driving. You guys probably think I have road rage. It reminds me of a Disney cartoon that I, I saw years ago, and it was the goofy character. You know, he is a goofy character, but goofy. The, uh, the guy, Goofy, the dog, he would be uh, driving and he was really upset every time he got behind the wheel. And I kind of feel like sometimes you guys think that's me. It's not. I'm really a pretty calm guy. But um, here's, what I, here's what we need to know. We are not entitled to our anger at somebody else. We just aren't entitled to it. And we act like we are entitled at our anger to somebody else. So we decided last week that we need to get rid of our anger to choose to be unoffendable. And more than just an exercise in our mind, we do that by putting into action um, really loving the people who offend us. Right to turn that around a little bit. And I know it's difficult, and I hope that you guys are this week beginning to think about every time you take offense this past week, did it cause you to think, wait a minute, why do I feel like I'm entitled to this anger as somebody else? We need to take a cue from Jesus and just forget being offended. All right, so that, that's going to get us into today, and um, I try to be... Uh, hermeneutically correct, if you know that word, and you know they teach you three points. We got three points today. This is good. Three points. First one is this. I can't believe it. Have you ever said that? I can't believe it. Um, you know, we live in a broken society. Have you noticed that? <laughs> like society is broken. I feel like it's breaking more. As we go along, I wonder if, Jesus, if God is thinking to himself, "Is there like a refund policy on this thing? Because we are really just struggling right now. Have you ever read the story in mark uh, chapter it 's in ten thirty seven if you want to look it up in mark and James and John come to Jesus, and they ask him if they can sit at his right and his left. You guys remember that story? Um, Jesus, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. In other words, they were saying, hey, Jesus, we want to be the most important. Jesus, we want to be with you. We're with you. We want to be the most important in your life. We want to have the top ranking in all of the heaven, and all the world, and all of the everything, in the creation. We want top ranking. You guys remember that story? The part of the story that I keep waiting on is for Jesus to lean over, grab them by the face and say, "What's wrong with you? Don't you know that this isn't what I'm about? Are you kidding me? I can't believe it." That she would ask me this question. Have you guys been reading it in the Bible ever and you're wondering when Jesus is going to say that, like, when's that going to happen?" The thing is is that it never happens. It never happens because I think Jesus isn't surprised. By the human condition. I don't think Jesus is surprised at self centeredness. I don't think he's shocked by what he sees. In John chapter 2, 23 through 25, it says this But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He wasn't surprised. He knows what's in people's hearts. He knows what's there. And what Jesus came to do was to, by the Holy Spirit, to fix that in us, that brokenness. So maybe a big part of being offended is we need to begin to call it like it is. Does that make sense? To to call it like it is. um, Maybe we wouldn't be so offended if we just knew and saw the human heart for what it was. For being untrustworthy and unfaithful and selfish. Now, don't get me wrong and think I'm going down this pessimistic trail and saying, hey, just think everybody's a jerk and you're going to be fine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we get surprised every time somebody acts in this way, but this is what human nature is. So we shouldn't be surprised by this. We need to adjust our expectations. Jesus knew the human heart. He he knew it, and and so should we. We shouldn't be so shocked. If you read through the New Testament, Jesus encountered one after another moral mess, but he was never taken back by anybody's issues. He never never said, oh my goodness, hold on, i got to sit down for a minute because I just don't understand. I can't believe it. James and John, I just can't believe you would ask me that He never said that because he knows people. When you read this scripture, you never see Jesus say that. Okay, wow. That was just too. Now, you might say that. <laughs> you caught yourself saying that? I can't believe it. A friend of mine, her name was CJ, is CJ. She's still alive. Still my friend. Uh, she was actually in the first church that I was the pastor at, right, which was just um, in Big Spring. She was my my secretary. She was there when I got there, and she retired while I was there. And CJ was one of those uh, that's full of wisdom for a young pastor, you know, and uh, would always be able to help me out with things. And I can remember that I came in, and over the course of a few days, I I would say, like, hey, CJ, I was driving along. This person cut me off. I just can't believe it. And over a few days, I would tell her several times, this happened. I just can't believe it. I, I just can't believe it. And I remember she, she looked at me one time and was like, are you, just stop. And she said, maybe you need to change the way you talk about that. <laughs> Instead of saying, I can't believe it, start to say, it's, it's remarkable. <laughs> you know, like, like, because really we can believe it. Like we know that those things are going to happen. She recognized that we are all fallen and that when we act certain ways, that is human nature. Now, on a side note, that is one of the things I love about what the Holy Spirit, what He wants to do in us. That is us drawing closer to Him so that He begins to purge that nature of sin from us so that we are not the person that somebody looks at and says, I can't believe it. When we act a certain way, they're going to say, I can't believe it because... We were so loving and so kind and so full of the Spirit. And and we say it all the time, like, I can't believe politicians would lie. (laughs) Seriously? Uh, I can't believe that they would steal from me. Here's one I get every year. I can't believe that they would do fireworks on my street. (laughs) Everybody here, right? Everybody has people on their street doing fireworks. I mean, they come and say, I can't believe, Cal, that you (laughs) would. We don't do it there. I can't believe they would treat their dog that way. I mean, it's as if we live in a state of perpetual shock about human nature. I was a youth pastor, and uh, in youth ministry, I, I feel like sometimes I still am at heart, but in youth ministry, it's a challenge to stay on the front edge, on the cutting edge of what good youth ministry is you know what's everybody into and what i mean and for a teenager language changes so fast and and words mean something different and um the way they dress changes all the time and um, how they feel like it's just so a youth pastor's always trying to stay in front of that and there was this new game who came out that came out and this new game was called guitar hero you guys remember that one and I immediately fell in love with Guitar Hero. It was like, I was like, this is one of the best games that's ever been invented. In fact, it was at a youth conference I was at. And, um, so, and all these youth pastors, like 20 youth pastors at a time, standing around, playing on the big screen, and we're jamming out with the Guitar Hero, you know. Um, and so I came back, and I was like, man, we got to do this. I got Guitar Hero. I put it in our youth room. We had a big 65-inch TV, and I, that was like front and center. And we, you know, kids were, in fact, Um, kids came to the church, ended up getting kids to the church because we had Guitar Hero, as goofy as that that sounds. Um, They would come and they loved to play that game. But I can still remember the look in one of our parents' faces when they came around the corner one day and they saw the kids playing Guitar Hero. They looked at me and they said, I'm just disappointed in you, Cal. (laughs) I'm disappointed that you would let them play that game. And I I was naive. I was like, this is awesome, this is great, kids are coming to church, this is, you know, and I just, I got so offended at that. Like, I was, I was incensed at that. How do you know? You can't, like, I, I, I can remember that feeling. Um, and I was at a church where uh, one time, just another of me being offended.
1: <laughs> I was at a
0: church one time, and the gas company decided to change the gas meter. Okay, no big deal, right? You think, that's fine. I don't know if you know that anytime they cut the gas off, before they turn it back on, they pressure up the gas line from them to the church, or to the building, in this case it was the church, to check for leaks. Because if there's leaks, it's not safe, right? It's just, it's just not a safe environment. But at the same time, I don't know if you know that almost every time they shut off the gas, they find a leak. Every time. In fact, the times in my own life in my house or wherever when they shut the gas off they always find a leak and I'm like I don't this is ridiculous it's like they're against us so this happened on a Friday and the weather was below freezing all weekend and I had this poor guy man in the yard and I was out there and I did everything uh, but like getting a fight with them I, I can't believe that you would come on a Friday and we've got to have church on Sunday and you're shutting our gas off I just I was so I was one of the times I really I in fact I, I I mistreated the guy so badly that I called him and apologized I had to call and I, I ate crow I was like man I am I'm so sorry that is not the way Christ would have me act and I was acting wrong no don't I didn't cuss at him or anything but I was upset and um, I said I, I apologize I should and you know what we made it through we got the leak fixed and we, we got it going on I, I think the the reason I tell you that so I can be a little vulnerable with you is that people are judgmental and self-righteous by default and so am I it just it just happens to us and, and I'm not trying to be a cynic. But I do think we should live with realistic expectations, understanding, as Jesus did, how we are by nature. Because, here's the good part, there are beautiful exceptions. Once we understand nature, then we can truly marvel at the goodness that the work of the Spirit produces in people. We begin to see that, Uh, for instance, as humans, when we offend each other, and imagine a time that you've been offended, if that person that, uh, that uh, upset you, like the guy who upset me, if they come to you and they apologize for what they did, that's beautiful. Like, oh, that's a good thing. Or what about the person who sacrifices their very own uh, hard-earned money to help somebody in poverty? Like, that's beautiful. Or when we're tired from working all day and we've got to stop at the grocery store on the way home and, and then you, while you're in the line at Kroger, hoping that nobody comes around because you want to be the next in line, here comes this mom with like three crazy kids and you decide to just, okay, you're having a worse time than me. You let them go in front of you. Like that's a beautiful thing. Like we can begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit and how he really does change lives. In the book uh, Hanson tells the story of a friend who missed a construction sign then wasn't paying attention hit a construction worker that construction worker ended up losing their legs and from the hospital that construction worker forgave the person who hit him and she got saved through that she became a Christian she became a believer in Jesus if anybody had a right To be offended, it was him. You see, war is not the exception. Peace is. Worry is not exceptional, but trust is. Um, Anger is not exceptional. Gratitude is. Selfishness is not exceptional. Sacrifice is. Judgmentalism is not exceptional, but grace is. And those are the things that, that we should look out for. I want to read uh, a story out of this book. I, I just, in fact, when I, was, I read it again last night and it, it brought me to tears. So um, you guys, bear with me as we read this, okay? All right, and this is Hanson telling a story. Now, I don't know if you know that he is a DJ on uh, a Christian radio station. I, I think it's maybe KLTY. And Anyway, that's, it's here in town. You can listen to it if you want. Something happened a few weeks ago that I haven't been able to tell anyone except my wife. It was the most remarkable thing that's ever happened in my radio career. There's a man who's in one of the worst, most brutal prisons in the world. It's in a nation where freedom of religion is notoriously disallowed. And this man, this prisoner, is a believer in Jesus. And he was arrested precisely for that. And he has been beaten and tortured as a result. On a Saturday, his wife sent me an email and told me that amazingly, her husband was listening to my radio station at that very moment from within the crowded confines of his tiny cell. Someone had smuggled in a phone, and she was holding her phone up to the radio speaker from her home in the States. A whole group is listening, new believers, some Muslims. They're listening to whatever you say, she said. He used to listen to our station every day and sing our songs with his kids. He was desperate to hear some music or an encouraging word, she said. He had been away from them for more than a year. He was worried he had been forgotten by all but a few. I drove to the station about a 20-minute drive and went on the air. I couldn't say that he was listening due to the the security risk, but I mentioned him. The fact that millions of people were praying for him and how much I respected him as a man and a brother in Christ. I got to talk about God and, and how he sees prisoners, knows of their plight and promises to rescue them. While the Quran never speaks of a God who loves, the God of the Bible loves prisoners so much that he identifies with them. He died between two thieves, and in Psalms, he sets prisoners to singing. So maybe, I told my listeners, if you happen to be listening in a prison somewhere, maybe you could sing along with this simple song. I then played a remix of a song called How Great Is Our God in multiple languages. After that, I talked more about how uh, we have about how we have not forgotten about those in prison. Then I played a song called How He Loves, followed by another song, the one the prisoner had last sung with his kids when he put them in bed before leaving his home. All the while, the prisoner's wife continued emailing me. He's listening. They're all listening. He's singing. I'm bawling. I can't stop crying. This music means so much to him. They were disconnected after a half hour. If you were to pick a spot on a world map and put a pushpin in the single most unlikely place on the planet where people would be singing along with how great is our God and hearing about the love of God, it would have been that prison and that dark, dank cell in the middle of the Middle Eastern night where desperate men are starved for hope. But grace has no borders. Love breaks through. And just as Jesus said of the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, the world is broken and selfishness is our default setting. But that's all the more reason we get goosebumps when there's a ray of light And we can suddenly see the kingdom from here where things are set right. Yes, we all deal with crazy people, judgmental people, people who believe deep down that their job after being invited into the party, that is the kingdom of God, is to keep others out of the party and then pat themselves on the back for taking a stand. I hear from them often. But then there are these people like this imprisoned man who after being taken from his family, unjustly tried and beaten senseless, hugs his jailers. And then standing in an empty station, I get to play a simple song about the goodness of God. I sing along, knowing he's huddled in darkness with other outcasts, and they're singing too. I want to seize those moments, the true, the pure, the lovely. Yeah, they are the um, Bert and Ernie letters. But then there's this, I ought to seize this. When we recognize our unsurprising fallenness, And keep our our eyes joyfully open for the glorious exceptions. We're much less offendable. Why? Because that's the thing about gratitude and anger. They can't coexist. It's one or the other. One drains the life from you. The other fills your life with wonder. Choose wisely. It's amazing that we get so offended whenever there are so many things that we could be so happy about. Uh, there's a, a story by an author named uh, Sheldon Van Vanuaken, and he wrote a book called A Severe Mercy. And in the story, it tells of two dogs, Gypsy and Snowball. And uh, Gypsy is the younger dog. He gets a new puppy, and Snowball is the older, more mature dog. And Gypsy and Snowball, they play and things, and, and he calls them to him, and, and they come. And over time, Gypsy begins, she's off exploring, you know how the, the young dogs do, um, and butterflies and different things. And after a while, she just has such a hard time coming, he begins to put her on a leash. And uh, one day they go to the park and this is his story, you'll have to read it, but one day they go to the park and um, Gypsy gets out of the vehicle before he can get the leash on Gypsy. And she takes off. And she runs and she's not listening and the master's calling and he's calling and she's not listening and eventually she gets to where she can't hear the master's voice any longer. So the master, he gets in his car and he heads back home. You know, We have the ability to trust our own idea of what freedom is, to think that we know what's best, that it can exist elsewhere, or we can trust God's way that brings freedom. How many of you have gotten on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? I know some of you we've talked and you're not on it. It's good. Stay off. Uh, you've You've been highly offended by somebody. I'm one of those. That happened to you guys? You understand what I'm talking about? Have you caught yourself? There's like two ways that you can deal with that. One way is you can get on there and type some amazing, thorough, wordy, snarky reply. Get that all put out there. Put it out on the internet. Get back on. Keep defending on what you wrote. Keep watching to see who's going to get on there. And then begin to feel guilty about what you wrote. And then change what you wrote. And then apologize for what you wrote. And then wonder how many people saw it. Go to bed, have a hard time going to sleep. That's one way. I've done it. (laughs) You probably have too. The other way is to thank their person for their comment. Leave it at that. Set it down and go have dinner with your family. And the night when you go to bed, go to bed with a restful mind. (laughs) There's two ways to deal with it. The question we have to ask is, is the person we're responding to posing a mortal threat to the kingdom of God. Are they posing a mortal threat? You see, I believe that nobody's posing a mortal threat to God. God is patient with them, and we should think, wow, I should be patient also. Matthew 11:28 says he'll give us rest. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. How many of us feel like or have ever heard it said that when we go to Jesus, we're gonna get rest? Have you heard that before? It's almost like struggle through life, try so hard, never get rest and then when you die, Finally, you're going to get rest. I have to tell you, that's the way I grew up understanding the Scripture. But after some theological training, I can tell you that I don't believe that's what Jesus is talking about here because he's speaking to the religious weary people. If you look up what a yoke was to Jesus, a yoke was a rabbi's teaching. It was their yoke. It It was the things that they taught. Jesus is saying, what I'm teaching you, my yoke, it's nothing that's going to weigh you down. It's, it's not going to give you religious rules to follow. And it's hard for us to understand religious rules because we want people, we want to see people, we want them to know that this is the, these are the rules and they have to follow these rules. Jesus comes along and, and for his days it was dietary law, Sabbath keeping, and uh, circumcision. Very outward appearance kind of things. Jesus came along and he said, listen, you guys, that's whatever. What I'm talking about is a circumcision of the heart. He said, it's, it's what's in here that's important to me. So my yoke is easy and, and, and my burden is light. He's giving us sweet release from religious burdens to And he's saying if we put these principles into practice, we're going to find that we have more rest. Now, don't get me wrong and do not leave here and say, hey, the pastor said I can do whatever I want. There are no rules. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus also said you can tell a tree by its fruit. If somebody's following Jesus, you're going to know. And if they're not following Jesus, you're going to know because of their outward appearance. What's in the heart? Remember we talked about last week? What's in the heart comes out the mouth. mother-in-law used to say (laughs) that's scriptural what is in your heart is the way that your life lives so is the way you live your life excuse me it's I think it's we need to be careful to understand that if we are following Jesus then there are certain things we will do because he's asked us to there's a line that we don't want to cross there so here's the third one aren't you tired Aren't you tired? This next, I titled this next little subpoint. You don't get to see it. Weirdo. <laughs> weirdo. Here's the one thing we fight in our culture. Living a restful life, it freaks people out. Living restful, it freaks people out. And they look at you and they're like, you're weird. <laughs> you're a weirdo. People don't understand it. It makes no sense in a world that is just speeding up. It makes no sense in a world that things are getting busier and busier we need to take time to live life we need to take time to be the salt and the light that Jesus has called us to be you know what about our neighborhoods how involved are we in our neighborhoods are we actually living where we live are we living where we live you know Kids leave schools. They change classes. People move churches. But where you live, where you live is where you live every day. And that's where people get to see you. And that's where where you get to interact with people. That's where they get to know the kingdom of God. Living a restful life is countercultural. Even in the church, it seems like we are just, and I'm not saying the church, I'm saying society in general, we are speeding up. We are having more to do, getting our kids busier and busier. We're not sustaining a lifestyle that's healthy. (laughs) I I try real hard. I was telling somebody this the other day. I really, really try not to say, well, when I was a kid, (laughs) I used to hear that from my parents. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we did this. When I was a kid, we're looking at schedule this year. Um. Morgan 14 years old gonna be a freshman this next year and so we're having the meetings about the stuff and the athletics and the different things and the coach said now UIL allows you two weeks before school starts you know that and when I was a kid (laughs) I had the whole summer to myself except for those last two weeks I think she gets like two weeks this summer because there's something With the school that's going on and they even said this they said well UIL doesn't allow us to so I can't make anybody do but if you're going to try out and I was like this is so like we're and and the point is we're speeding our kids up we're and it's not just kids it's us it's people it's it's we're just doing more and more and more and I find myself sometimes I'm like I just have to stop We need to choose a way to live. The current state of our culture is so strong, the wrong way, I believe, that we have to actively choose a way. We're not going to accidentally find that we're getting rest. It's not going to accidentally happen. Otherwise, we're going to find that because we're not getting rest, we're not connecting with God, we're not taking time, we're not being still, that we're going to be offended at everything that happens in our lives. Because everybody else in this same rat race is getting in the way of what we want. They want it. I want it too. Who can win this thing? I want it. They want it. No, get out of my way. I can't believe. I'm going to cut you off in traffic. It's just, it's it's what happens. And if we're countercultural and we begin to step back and say, wait a minute, I need to find some rest. Living in that way, which is the usual way, It just causes offense we have to get in a different lane go a different direction do a different thing and listen I believe me I'm living it I understand even this this past year we've we've had um, at at least one day this year we took our kids out of school we're like my parents would never have done that like you're not going to school today (laughs) Um, because we're going on a trip we did that and I just think that sometimes we have to take time continually thinking about this. It's not going to happen by accident. Choose the unoffended life. The American cultural, generally speaking, does not encourage this kind of restfulness. Instead of restfulness, we, we add to loads. And in the church, we give, we give more to do and more to feel guilty about. We don't need that. And I'll tell you, as a church leader, it's so much easier for me to say, well, here's the rules, guys. If you just follow these rules, you're going to be fine. But what that does is that creates people who say they're following Christ, but really they're just following rules. So it's hard for me to step back and say, listen, I'm not going to, I can't tell you what to do except follow Christ. And if you're being honest with yourself, then you know if you are or not. If you're being honest with yourself, then you know if your life is one that is a Christ-centered life. So this morning, won't you be still? Won't you take a moment and rest with Jesus? He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. He wants us to want Him and ultimately a more restful life. Aren't we tired? <laughs> Here in a little bit, we're going to do uh, communion. And there's some communion. I think they put them on the tables there. Thank you. If, if they're not on the tables, then um, they'll have a, a jar in the back with the prepackaged communion. But before we do that, I want to I read one last. And I, 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 don't, I don't like doing this so much. But, man, this is, you just listen to this part, this last part of the book. We're going to close with this and with communion. Quit thinking it's up to you to police people and that God needs you to take a stand. God needs nothing. Quit trying to parent the whole world. Quit offering advice when exactly zero people asked for it. Quit being shocked when people don't share your morality. Quit serving as judge and jury in your own mind of that person who just cut you off in traffic. He has a problem too. Quit thinking you need to discern what others' motives are and quit rehearsing in your mind what the other person did to you. And side note for me, quit rehearsing in your mind the conversation that you're going to have with that person who offended you. It's all so exhausting. It reminds me of Abilene's scene with Hilly in the movie The Help. Hilly is a judgmental, racist, conniving, busybody full of religiosity and anger. Abeline is her friend Elizabeth's hired help and a wise woman who, when she finally confronts Hilly, is bracingly honest, but still somehow loving. Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Ain't you tired? It's a riveting and well-known scene. I don't think it's purely for the convincing acting. I think it strikes deep, a deeper chord and it resonates with me. And it even hurts because Abilene's words are piercing and fitting and I feel that they were meant for me. I've tried appraising people, determining their value based on how they treat me. I've tried holding on to anger, harboring resentment, and doing the necessary mental gymnastics to justify myself, even if only in the court of my own opinion. I've tried evaluating everything everyone else says, sifting through it to find if there's some way I've been slighted. I've tried resisting God's clear command to forgive as he has forgiven me. And I've gone to the great effort to explain again, if only to myself, how whatever I've done really isn't as bad as what the other person is doing to me. It's really hard. It's really time consuming. It's really a drain mentally, spiritually, and even physically. This gavel, the one I've awarded myself and who knows why, is really, really heavy. I can keep pronouncing everyone else guilty for the rest of my life, but I'm not sure why. I don't want this anymore. Maybe you know what I mean. So let me ask you, (laughs) ain't you tired? So this morning, as we get ready to close, I wanna let you know we have these altars here. If you just wanna come and pray. If you are thinking to yourself, you know, I just, the gavel's getting heavy. I just wanna let it go. We're gonna have a time of communion. And before you take the communion today, I'm going to ask that you pray and clear your heart. Take a moment, because we're going to sing also, there's no rush. Take a moment and be still. Sit silent with God and get some rest in Him, even if only for three or four minutes while we do this. I think if we can become the most unoffendable people as Christians in the world, that people will flock to his kingdom, which is ultimately what we want, right? So let me pray for you. God, this morning, as we get ready to take this communion together here in a moment, I pray that you would help us to not be offended. Help us, God, to learn to let the offense go. To put the gavel down, to not judge people, but to love them. And it's hard, and it's nothing that we're going to accidentally find our way to. We have to choose, and we have to choose daily. And we're going to take communion in a moment. And I'm reminded, Jesus, of what you did for us. We need to take our cue from you right before Judas betrayed you, right before Peter said that he didn't know you three times. You told those disciples you were going to love them until the end, knowing that you died the next morning. Forgive us for the times that we take offense and help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Remembering how on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it And he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. And I'm here to remind you this morning that this is his body that was broken for you. So take and eat. We're reminded as well how in the same way, when the meal was over, he took the cup of blessing And he said, this is my blood which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So this morning, I remind you that this is his blood that was shed for you. So take and drink. God, we love you this morning. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed so our sins might be forgiven. And now help us to forgive others when they sin against us.